0: Dear friends, right at the start of this episode, I'm going to offer you an invitation. What is one habit you currently want to make? And what is one habit you currently want to break? Hmm. I'll give you some thinking music. For some of us, this invitation will be met with a kind of enthusiasm, while for others a sort of defeatism. After all, how many times have we resolved to break that bad habit and failed to do so? Or made a solemn promise to God to pray more, to go on a fast or to find a spiritual director, but failed to do so? Or perhaps you've been on another spiritually significant event like a pilgrimage or a youth camp or a retreat only to find yourself slipping back into your old ways of living weeks after. If any of this describes you, you're in very good company, for most of us know that resolutions and ideals are one thing, actually living and acting them out is another. Over the last few years, I have been musing more and more whether even faithful Catholics sometimes over-spiritualise their faith, and forget that half of being Catholic is in fact a call to human development. After all, we are both spiritual and human beings, and the two exist in closely intertwined relationship. If we fail to develop our human dimension, like for example, setting good habits, the spiritual dimension loses out too. As the famous saying goes, grace perfects nature, which means that if our human nature is malformed, it actually limits how grace can act upon us, though of course God is bigger than anything and can act sovereignly how he chooses. Still. This episode is very much about paying attention to the human aspects of our spirituality, namely the importance of developing discipline in order to build virtue. You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses, and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. To explore our theme today, we will be borrowing from The Last Samurai, a beautiful film released back in 2003 starring Tom Cruise and Ken Watanabe. Those of you who have seen this period flick will agree it is an immensely satisfying story and in some ways beautifully captures the journey of a spiritual conversion of its main character. In particular though, the film is able to celebrate the importance of discipline and honour while these words aren't usually associated with our faith, which is a tragedy, this episode will hopefully demonstrate why they are very much needed. Let's begin now by summarising the story in a nutshell. The Last Samurai is set in the late 1800s. It opens with Captain Nathan Olgren, drunk and haunted by his experience in the American Indian Wars. Unruly and angry, he is racked by shame for the decorated uniform he wears and is clearly going through PTSD. Then almost against his will, Ogren is told that he had been hired by the Japanese government led by Omura to train the new Japanese army. While Omura is Japanese himself, he had since been rather taken by the western influences and now seeks to talk, dress and act like an American while disdaining his own culture. Omura now spearheads the Japanese government's aim to suppress the Samurai Rebellion, who resist the greedy modernisation of their culture. The Samurai are led by the charismatic Katsumoto. So, Olgren goes and starts training the Japanese soldiers with guns and cannons and all things western. During an initial skirmish with the Samurai however, Ogren is wounded and captured by Katsumoto and taken off as a prisoner of war. While recovering in their picturesque village in the mountains, Ogren gradually immerses himself in the ancient Japanese culture, learning about their traditions, their discipline, and codes of honour. His interactions with Katsumoto and the Samurai warriors challenge his preconceptions about honour and duty. He is struck by the sheer discipline of the Japanese way of life in everything they do. How is it that these brave warriors can sleep at night with a clear conscience, and not be racked by nightmares as he was? Though his own life was in crisis, Algren slowly receives in the village what can only be described as a spiritual awakening. This transformation is symbolized by his growing bond with Katsumoto and the widow of the samurai he killed, her name is Taka. At some point, Katsumoto meets with the Emperor in order to arrange a truce, and even says in front of all the court that if the Emperor commanded him to lay down his sword, or even to die, he would. The Emperor though was too timid and cowardly to say anything. The civil war soon escalates, which eventuates with the modernized Japanese army armed with modern weapons like cannons, facing off against the samurai in a climatic battle. Despite their courageous valor, the samurai are overwhelmed by the technological superiority, and all the samurai including Katsumoto are killed. Captain Olgren however, survives. In the aftermath, the Japanese government are pressured by the western powers to crush the remaining samurai, but Olgren alone convinces the emperor to honor the samurai's sacrifice. The film concludes with Ogren now fully embracing the samurai ethos, choosing to stay in Japan and live according to their code. He returns to the beautiful village, into the waiting embrace of Taka. So there's the story in a nutshell. I will now explore this episode's themes under three umbrellas. First will be the cosmic importance of our little daily habits. The second will be the importance of our environment in inspiring virtuous living. And the third will be reflecting on honour in the spiritual life. Let's begin. I once heard it said, A man is not measured by his dreams, but by the discipline he develops to achieve those dreams. After all, any child can dream, any fool can dream. The difference between a fool and a hero is not the grandness of his dreams, but his discipline, his day-to-day habits that can actually make his dreams a reality. Now, we intuitively know this to be true, right? Because we know many grown men and maybe women who talk big about doing this and achieving that, yet they never even get off the ground. Dreams and ambitions and resolutions in themselves are not enough. The same principle applies in the spiritual life. The difference between a saint and someone who is not is not necessarily white knuckled resolve and prayer, but rather the development of virtue. Virtue is spiritual discipline, good habits that have been practiced so frequently day in and day out that they become second nature to us, pulling us towards the things of God. The achieving of virtue, then, such as the classical four virtues of prudence, temperance, justice, and courage, should always be bedrock spiritual foundations that we never graduate from. On this note, the scenes I actually want to hone in on are the ones where Olgren is stuck, as it were, in the samurai village, living day after day amongst the simple people. Considering The Last Samurai is a period action war movie, these gentle scenes make up quite a significant amount of screen time, even though nothing really happens, and yet they don't feel boring and certainly actually feel quite refreshing they are actually my favourite part of the whole movie. So, what happens? In his diary, Olgren writes that he observes how the men and women and children of the village are, quote, an intriguing people. From the moment they wake, they devote themselves to the perfection of everything they pursue. I have never seen such discipline, end quote. This discipline Olgren observes is not just in their combat training, but also in everyday activities like sweeping, pouring tea, calligraphy, sewing, walking, cleaning, dressing, and opening doors. Somehow, Olgren comes to realise that these daily habits were what gave rise to mighty warriors. How? Part 1. The Cosmic Significance of Daily Habits If only we realise the importance of learning to do the little things well, we will certainly be able to achieve much bigger things too. In Jesus' own words, whoever can be trusted with very little, can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little, will also be dishonest with much. This gives us a clue why the samurai are in an incredibly different league of soldier to even the mechanically sophisticated Japanese army and indeed Olgren himself when he first arrives. Anyone who has had any sort of military training or watched a boot camp video will know that the drill sergeant is absolutely obsessed with the minutest habits of his soldiers. Things like how well they can make their bed, groom themselves, shine their shoes, march or even just pack their backpack. Why? Because from the little things, big things grow. True discipline is holistic. It is an entire person thing. The drill sergeant needs to know that when the time comes and chaos hits, the soldier is able to remain disciplined enough to follow orders, remain ethical, and to leave no stone unturned. Again, heroic idealism is never enough to make a good soldier, but rather, a good soldier is a disciplined one. As James Clear, author of the best selling book Atomic Habits, says, Success is the product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. So it goes in the spiritual life. The difference between heaven and hell, between sanctity and damnation, lies not in great deeds or great falls. Rather, it lies in the little decisions we make every day, decisions that over time become habits, which over time become virtue or vice which over time becomes your character. Think of your life as a staircase, one that can easily be running up as it could be running down. Well, which way are you heading, up or down? Well, that depends on the little steps you take. Do you, dear listener, have more good habits in your life than bad habits? If so, you'd be going up. Or do you think that you might have more bad habits than good? Well, dear listener, you're going down. (laughs) This is a useful thought exercise, and you might be quite startled with the results regardless of how it turns out. Most of us have plenty of both habits, but if we're honest with ourselves, we're usually more surprised by how many bad habits we have versus good ones. But there is hope. I will leave a link to a video on the Myth Pilgrim website and on this episode's show notes that speak more practically about habit making and habit breaking. So if you want to start getting practical real quick and I really hope you do, definitely give this video a watch. 15 million people have already done so before you. Part 2. The influence of our environment on living virtuously. The samurai village scenes weren't just inspiring because of their simplicity and beauty. Rather, everything in the village was built and ordered to be conducive to a life of discipline. Contrast, if you like, this village with living in the busy, neon-lit Times Square in New York and you'll feel just how influential our physical settings are upon us, something again Catholics can easily forget. But as any brother or friar will tell you, it's much easier living a life of disciplined prayer within a seminary than when we go on holidays or go home. Our environment matters. There's a famous story of how Anne Thorndike, a doctor of Massachusetts General Hospital, ultimately changed the healthy eating of her staff simply by changing the environment of the cafeteria. Initially, the drinks that were most visible were soft drinks in the prime refrigerators. However, by introducing baskets of bottled water within easy reach all over the cafe, within months, soft drink sales had plummeted and water bottle sales dramatically rose. The same experiment happened when she tried adjusting the types of food that were most available and accessible around the cafe. See, Anne changed the habits of her staff, not through giving pep talks and motivational speeches, but simply by changing the environment. Fascinating, right? Again, how much do we Catholics take seriously the physical environment when it comes to inspiring us to a life of virtue or prayer? The spiritual masters often talk about how a chief combat against bad habits, especially addictive habits, is to simply avoid the occasion of sin. This means flat avoiding whatever setting it is that makes it easier for you to stumble into temptation. For example, if you're prone to binge watching, purge easy access to all devices and screens in your home, or as one friend even decided, remove Wi-Fi connection altogether in the house. In the battle against vice, avoiding the occasion of sin is not so much about fighting bravely, it is about fighting smartly, as any decent soldier would do. As I sit and listen to people in spiritual direction, many share about the various vices and addictions that they're struggling to break, whether it be overeating, pornography, phone use, online shopping, or alcohol. Now these people are sincere, humble, God-fearing people, the type of person you'd say, oh, that's a very good parishioner right there. Yet when they share how much they've struggled with a particular vice, the first thing I always work on is how to inspire them to change their environment. Now, you'd expect a spiritual director to begin by encouraging more prayer or more spiritual warfare or even exploring the emotional triggers. And these are important, but these come later. The first step is to change the environment because our environment can inspire us towards virtue or tempt us towards vice. There are deep strategies to breaking out of, say, a pornography addiction, but the first step is always the complete removal, blocking and accountability of all access to such sites, in the bedroom, in the household, on handheld devices. As Father Mike Schmidt says, We must be compassionate on ourselves, but ruthless on our environment. We must be compassionate on ourselves, but ruthless on our environment. Amen. May the same principles apply to all areas we are prone to sin. On the flip side, a positive environment is conducive to virtuous living. I am quite convinced that one of the reasons that the minimalist movement is taking off so much is precisely because minimalist living actually is conducive to a less cluttered, anxious and compulsive mind. By having less distractions and stress, we are able to focus our attention to the task at hand, and to do that task well. We become mindful. This is what Olgren observes in the Japanese villages as he walks around. For them, it was all or nothing, and it was always total. This focus should already be inspiring for us on a spiritual level, because single-minded focus is also a path towards wholeness, the directing of all our energy towards the one goal, God and his will for our lives. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com The final meditation will be on (laughs) honour. In summary, Honour is the discipline of living and sacrificing for a cause bigger than your own. This is a huge concept in the great mythical stories, in Chinese tradition and in Eastern philosophy, and indeed in the Last Samurai. But what about honour within Catholicism? Let me assure you that the concept of honour is present all over the Bible, but today, We tend to overdo the whole God is love and Jesus meek and mild that we often neglect the part of the gospel where Jesus invites and even demands our full allegiance. He is Lord and we are not. And as such, our lives are actually not our own to keep and indulge. This initially sounds like killjoy and a bit of a turn off, but our obsessions with the great myths remind us otherwise. Deep down, all of us want to live under a king and to live and die for him. Being a fan of Star Wars, I've often felt that the Samurai and Jedi Knights actually shared a lot in common, like in terms of the way they dress, their vocation towards defending the state, their prayerful meditation, their mentorship model, their discipline of course, and most of all their unwavering code of honour. Whether you're religious or not, there is something attractive about a warrior who lives, fights and dies with honour, and in some ways, honour is the highest form of discipline because honour can only really be tested when it is tested, when it is not convenient, and certainly when the environment is not conducive to acting well. Yet, this is what makes the samurai shine in the movie. They never back down, and despite the technological superiority possessed by the enemy, never lose focus of the purpose they serve, whether it's a soldier in battle or a widow in the village. Coming back to us Catholics, what does honour look like? Christian honour is to never back down from the teachings of Christ even when it is convenient to do so. In the face of opposing views in the workplace or in society, we are called to remain committed to a cause higher than our own. What cause is greater than advancing and defending the Kingdom of Heaven? The most honourable people in history were probably the countless martyrs who died with the name of Christ on their lips. But it doesn't have to be so dramatic honour is also upholding the solemn vows you've made before God and before church, whether they are marriage vows, or consecrated life vows, or even more broadly, the vows that were made at baptism, that you renew every year at Easter. Remember that our God is an honourable God who never himself backs down from us, and his covenant love for us is eternal. He has and always will fight for us and honour us as his children till the end of time. This is the god we seek to honour, and it is from his example that we learn how it is to live with honour. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode on The Last Samurai, and that our exploration of discipline and virtue has been refreshing and practical. The practical pilgrim exercise I leave you is the same one I offered you at the beginning. To discern with the Lord one habit he is inviting you to make, and one habit he is inviting you to break. Remember the staircase image, holiness and freedom comes from the little habits we form and slowly build, not some giant leap or grand resolution. Learn how habits are built and allow this overlooked human discipline to propel you into the heights of holiness. And once again, I will leave a link to that great little video, Atomic Habits, to get you started on your journey. All the best with that, pilgrims. And failing all that, after this episode, just spend an hour cleaning up your bedroom. And just feel how much an environmental change inspires you towards saintly living. On that note, dear friends, I wish you well. Journey forth, take care, and God bless.